Mark chapter 9. We're going to look at verses 1 through 8. Last week we talked about hearing the voice of God, and this morning we're going to look at listening to the voice of God. Mark chapter 9, I'm going to read verses 1 through 8. And it says, And he said to them, Truly I say to you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God after it has come with power. And after six days, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John and led them up a high mountain by themselves, and he was transfigured before them. And his clothes became radiant, intensely white, as no one on earth could bleach them. And there appeared to them Elijah with Moses, And they were talking with Jesus, and Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good that we are here. Let us make three tents, one for you, and one for Moses, and one for Elijah. For he did not know what to say, for they were terrified. And a cloud overshadowed them, and a voice came out of the cloud. This is my beloved son. Listen to him. And suddenly, looking around, they no longer saw anyone with them, but Jesus only. Let's pray. Holy Father, Lord, just thanks for your word. Lord, thanks for the truth of your word. Lord, just thanks for how you use your word and you speak to us through your word. And this morning, Holy Spirit, I pray you just work in us. Holy Spirit, you just awaken us, this package, passage to us. That we'd hear from you, that we'd listen to you. Lord, help us. Lord, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts will be acceptable to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. The Broadway production... School of Rock, and one of the songs in it says, you, you always talk, talk, talk all the time. You never let me get in a word. I wish I had, I had a dime for every thought I've swallowed unheard. No matter what it is that I do, it's like I just can't seem to get through. I've got so much to say. If only you would listen. And the song goes on the whole way, talking about this need to be heard. Are you a good listener? Are you a good listener in times of difficulty, in times of suffering. The Bible says that the posture of the people of God, the key posture for the people of God is to be listening. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, which was the Shema, which they would teach all the people of God, all the nation of Israel, to teach their children, they would say, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one God. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. They would, they would teach their kids to say this to, every morning when they got up, every night when they went to bed, and would start out with hear. The first thing that God wanted us to do as the people of God is to listen. And listen appears or the request to listen, or the command to listen, appears, someone counted up over 1,500 times in the Bible. We aren't always good listeners, are we? It's, it's hard to focus sometimes even to listen. Why don't we listen? What are, what are the reasons why we struggle often to listen? Adam uh, McHugh in his book, The Listening Life, put out five, I think, really good reasons why we don't always listen really well. And the first one, he says, we don't listen because it's just, it's just loud. We live in a very loud world. Right now, all of you have six different things running through your head. You're trying to listen. We live in such a loud world. Our phones are entertaining us. Um, uh, the, the, the computer's always out. There's just so much noise, so many different voices that are constantly being said to us. The world is a very loud place. 
I mean, years ago, people would ride for hours on end by themselves, and no one could contact them. And they had all this time just to be still and listen. It's not the case today. We we live in a very loud world, which makes it hard for us to listen. We we also don't listen because we're lonely. Lonely people, you would think, would listen more, but lonely people are lonely, so they want to talk. And we want to talk about what's going on with me and share what's going on with, well, here's what's happening with me. And we, we want to connect with people, but people, we, we can't, we talk more than we actually listen because we're lonely and we want to be heard. We don't listen because we're afraid to change. Because if you sit down with somebody who disagrees with you or has a different point of view than you and you actually listen to them, you might have to change your view, or your view might get changed. We're not good listeners, because we are afraid to change. We also aren't good listeners, because we live, we're we're very fragmented. We're always just, we never quite finish things. We'll start something, and then something else will take its place, or something else will consume us, or something else will consume us. So we constantly are trying to juggle all these different things. We, We are struggling with a loud world filled with lonely people who are afraid to change in a fragmented society. That That's our culture. That's the world that we swim in. That's the world that we live in. And in Mark chapter 9, an amazing things happen for the disciples. It's an amazing lesson on listening to some men who were struggling with very difficult news that they were just trying to grapple with. And we're going to look at it three ways. A grand scene, a grace word, and a grace guide. Why, why is there, though, really sometimes a fear for us in hearing hearing the voice of God and really listening to the voice of God. If we're really serious about the idea of hearing the voice of God and think about what that actually means, we we wouldn't be flippant about it. We, We wouldn't just take it for granted if we were really thinking about who God is, how God describes himself in Scripture, how he's revealed himself. And what the Bible says, that God always speaks First, he's always the first word. Genesis starts out with, in the beginning, God, and God said. God always has spoken first. He always gets to speak first. And if he is who he says he is, when God speaks, there is in us, if we're serious about hearing the voice of God, a natural fear that we're going to have to deal with because we can't control what God says to us. And God might call us and say to us some very hard things, which is what he did to the disciples in this Matthew, Mark 8 and Mark 9. Sometimes the question is, isn't why can't I hear God's voice more? Really the question we have to answer is, why won't I hear God's voice more? Why won't I listen Psalm 95 says, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. This is an unbelievable scene. Mark chapter 9, it's an unbelievable and grand scene. The situation is this Jesus has, this is just past the high mark of the Gospel of Mark. In Mark chapter 8, 
Jesus has been with his disciples for years. He's walked around with them. He's talked with them. They've watched his life. They've seen what Jesus has done and accomplished, all the miracles that he's accomplished. And in verse 27 of Mark chapter 8, it says, And Jesus went on with his disciples to the villages of Caesarea Philippi, and on the way he asked his, his disciples, Who do people say that I am? And they told him, John the Baptist. And others say, Elijah. And others say, one of the prophets. And then he asked them, But who do you say that I am? And Peter, answering for them, said, You are the Christ. And Jesus strictly charged him, tell no one about it. And then in verse 31, it says, And he began to teach them, and he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed, and after three days rise again. And then it says, and he said this very plainly. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But turning and seeing the disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. And then Jesus went on to say, If you're going to follow me, if you're going to be one of my disciples, you have to take up your cross daily and follow me. And for those guys to hear the word cross, horrified them. This is not at all what they were expecting. I mean, they'd read the Bible, the Old Testament. They'd read the scriptures. They'd been waiting for the Messiah. Jesus comes. He, he, he does all the things that the Messiah is supposed to do. It's the high mark of the gospel of Mark. And Jesus says, who do you say that I am? And they say, you are the Christ. They get it. And then Jesus tells them very plainly that he's going to have to die. And that if they want to follow him, they're going to have to die. And they are horrified by it, totally shaken. They're afraid. They're, 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 their heads are spinning. They're unbelievably fragmented, and they're starting to feel very, very, very lonely. Did we make the right choice? Did we do the right thing? They need help. They need great help, and so Jesus says to them, as they're still talking, same day, says all these things to them. He says, hey, truly I say to you, there are some of you that are standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God after it has come with power. And then it says, after six days later, three of them get a sneak peek of that. We don't know all that that means about how they're going to see the kingdom of God. There's been many books written about it, but I think what Jesus was saying, hey, listen, I know you're really upset about this. I know you're overwhelmed by this. What I just said to you, you're going to have to take up your cross, that I'm going to have to die, that you didn't see it this way at all. So Jesus gives them some help, this great scene, and he takes Peter, James, and John up to the mountain, and he transfigures himself. Or he, trans, he, he gets transformed in front of them. His, his clothes become so radiantly, intensely white as no one else could bleach them. I mean, this is greater than a Tide commercial. I mean, this is unbelievably white. All week long, we saw the snow, and when it, it, it hurts your eyes to look at it. This is what happened. I mean, this is one of the most amazing scenes and miracles in the Bible. Here's Jesus. He knows these guys are struggling with this overwhelming thing that, you know what? I'm going to die. I said it very plainly to you. You heard me. But they didn't really believe it, and they're struggling with it. They need some help, and Jesus takes them up to this high mountain, and all of a sudden, he shows them his glory. 
He exposes, he reveals who he's been hiding himself to be, who he gave up, and he turns unbelievably bleached white, and they are overwhelmed by it. Listen, especially if you're a young person, and you start to wonder, is the Bible real? Is Jesus who he says he is? This passage right here, it must make you stop and pause. What this passage says is that a man turned bleach white and revealed the glory of God to him. It revealed who he was. Don't just let that pass through. This is unbelievable. This is not like anything else. Jesus is like nobody else. Mark this down. Meditate on what just is happening here. This isn't just some little story. Don't Let the story move you. Here's these guys struggling with what they heard, and Jesus takes them up into this mountain, it says, and he turns white. He transfigures himself and unbelievable. Don't get past the mystery of the gospel, even if you're an adult. You've heard it all your lives. This has to shake us and motivate us. This is God revealing his glory in the person of Jesus Christ, and three human beings saw it, standing next to a human being who did it. And in that process, they're standing there, they see this great thing, and Moses and Elijah come back. And there's Jesus all white, beaming white, filled with light. In the Old Testament, they would have known this. In the Old Testament, it says that God wraps himself in unbelievable light numerous times. They'd read the Old Testament, and here they are now with a person that they believe is the Messiah, and there's God standing there, filled with light. They're, they're getting it, and there's Moses, and there's Elijah, and they're talking about all these things, and they're seeing this, and Peter doesn't know what to do. He, he's, set, he's scared to death, it says, and Peter says to Jesus, Jesus took them up there, first of all, to pray. And in Luke, when they talk about this, the disciples were asleep. Why were the disciples sleeping? Why did they have such a hard time with these moments? It's because what they were being told was terrifying to them. They had just been told that Jesus was going to die and that they're going to have to die you ever when you're just so struggling with a difficult time, what do you want to do? You want to sleep. It exhausts you. It wears you out. And I think that's what the situation was. They, they got up there. They are stressed out trying to figure all this out. They need some help. They, they can't even stay awake. They just want to sleep. Maybe it's not real. And all of a sudden, they wake up to this unbelievable scene. Peter sees it, and he splurts out. He just starts talking. He doesn't know what else to do. He says, and Peter said, Rabbi, it's a good thing that we're here. Let's, let's make three tents, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. And we think that sounds ridiculous. It's not a ridiculous idea because Mo, Peter knew who these guys were. And in the Old Testament, Moses was part of the great exodus. Elijah was part of an exodus. And so he was thinking, hey, the kingdom of God has come. Let's just get this exodus started now. We'll build some tabernacles. It's not a crazy idea. Peter knew his Bible. He thought he was doing something good. He was trying to understand something very difficult, and he wanted to instantly do things. But here's the problem with that. Trying to do things for God in place of listening to God is disobedience to God. They weren't supposed to do things. The natural reaction for us when we don't want to know what to do is to do something, isn't it? If you go to somebody's house and their spouse just died, or their child just died, and you're sitting down with them. Nobody knows what to do, do they? 
We don't know how to sit and just listen to people in silence. Whenever that happens, what do people do? Can I get you some coffee? Can I make you some food? Can I get you the paper? Can I get your mail? Is there anything I can bring you? We want to do, do, do. That's our natural reaction. The great danger of that is Matthew chapter 7 says, again, some scary verses of Scripture. Matthew seven twenty one. Jesus says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? and cast out demons in your name, and do mighty works in your name. And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. There was a group of people who are going to just do, 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 do things for God. And they never heard God. And God's going to say to them, depart from me. I never knew you. They didn't Listen, so Peter splurts this thing out. And he doesn't know what to do. And in the process, while he's talking, Jesus standing there, they're all standing there. God the Father comes down, it says, and a cloud overshadows them. And a voice came out of the cloud and said, this is my beloved son. Listen to him. Listening was the grace word that they needed to hear. They didn't know what to do. They didn't know where they, what the situation was going. And, and the father comes down and says, let me give you what you need, Peter. Listen. Listen to him. It's a grace word because it's said we're called to listen to Jesus. It tells us who we're supposed to listen to. And it tells us how we're supposed to listen to him. Listen to him. Not all the other noises that you hear, not all the chatter that you got going on in your head, not all the confusion of this past week or the past month of your life or wondering if you did the right thing, if you made the right choice, are you where you're supposed to be? All the chatter that runs through our heads, Peter had running through his head, and the father said, just focus on Jesus, listen to him, and follow him. Because who you listen to unbelievably matters, doesn't it? Someone said, the sort of people we become is in large part determined by the voices that we choose to listen to. And so the question for us is not, will I listen? Because we listen all the time. You've heard noise all week long. You've heard people talk all week long. You've heard things said all week long. The question for us And the same question for Peter is not, will I listen? He was going to listen to somebody. Peter was either going to say, no, I'm going to build some tents. This is the way it should be done and listen to himself. Or he was going to listen to God the Father who said, stop and just listen to Jesus. He was going to listen to somebody. And who we listen to absolutely matters. And the question is, what voice will you listen to? And how will you listen to it? And he gives us, I think, through this whole passage, a grace guide on how we are called to listen to God. And Jesus, the Father says, this is my beloved Son, listen to Him. He's the Word who is given us through the Word. And the grace guide that we need to listen to God is His Word. You cannot listen to God, first of all, real simply. You cannot listen to God without looking at the Scriptures. Peter was the one who Mark used 
to write his gospel. It really could be, Mark's gospel could be an account of Peter. Peter was the one who lived it, probably told it to Mark, and Mark was just writing out the life of Peter and how he heard the gospel. And it's really Peter's account of the gospel. And in 2 Peter chapter 1, Peter says this, after all this, after he saw Jesus transfigured, they come down and Jesus says, don't tell anybody till after these things have taken place. And afterwards, Peter preaches at Pentecost, 3,000 people get become followers of Christ. And in 2 Peter chapter 1, this is what Peter said. Talking about Jesus, he said in verse 16, For we do not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. When was Peter an eyewitness of his majesty? When he was on the mountain of transfiguration with Jesus, and Jesus did this. He saw who Jesus was. Was And he says, for when, we, when he received honor and glory from God the Father, and the voice was born to him by the majestic glory, this is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this very voice born from heaven, for we were with him on the holy mountain. And we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed, to which you will do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place, until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts, knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. You can't listen to God without listening to his word. That's how God designed it. Even Peter said that. He saw the glory of God, but we were given these helps So when you read your Bible, even this week, and you are hearing loud noise, a lot of chatter, you want to hear the voice of God, you're struggling to hear the voice of God, you want to listen to the voice of God, it all starts with the word of God. And when you read the Bible, you have to ask it questions. It's not just words. We we come to the Bible and ask, what does it say? Why does it say it here? What, what's it saying? And what is it, why does the Bible say it in this way? What's surprising about it? If you just get up in the morning and read your Bible, read your little devotional, read some words and go on, you'll never really hear the voice of God. And that's also not listening to the voice of God. The way we listen to the voice of God is having a conversation with it. It's the word of God spoken to us and we ask you questions. What's going on here? Don't leave your Bible until you've heard and you've listened and asked and be surprised with what God may say. It's, it's, it's a grace guide for us. What, what's necessary to hear God's voice? How can we be good listeners to his voice? And in this little passage, I think, of the transfiguration, he gives this little guide for us to help us know how to hear. We can see that the first thing so we to, if you want to hear and listen to the voice of God, you have to be a participant in his word. The disciples were devoted to God. That's the, the great call of the Bible. Are you, are you devoted to God? You want to hear from God? People say, I want to pray. I pray all the time. Many people pray, and they're, they're longing to hear from God, but they're not devoted to God. They, they've never come to know Jesus Christ in a real, real way. They haven't been converted And if you're converted, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, are you devoted to God? That's the question that the disciples were being asked. When Jesus came to them and said, hey, who do you you say I am? They said, you're the Christ, you're the Messiah. They believed. 
And then Jesus said, hey, if you're going to be a follower of me, you've got to take up your cross and follow me. And that's the thing that they stumble over. How could the Messiah have to suffer? That's why this, to the Jews, this was a great stumbling block, and they were totally stumped by this. And the only way for God to help them overcome that was he had to physically reveal to him their glory, but he did it to people, Peter, James, and John, his deep inner circle, who were devoted to God. They were willing to pay the price, and all three of them did. Peter was hung upside down and killed for his faith. James, who became the leader of the Jerusalem church, was killed. And then John, some people say, was boiled in oil and then spent the rest of his life on exile in Patmos. They all suffered. They all suffered and took up their cross, but they were participants in it. And then we have to have the right pace. We just go through two things too fast. That, that was Peter's problem. He, he sees this unbelievable scene, and what does he do? He instantly has to jump up and do something. He's, 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 he's way out of control. He's thinking the mile a minute. He's trying to figure out what he's supposed to do next. And what God calls us to do, if you want to hear God's voice, listen, if you really want to hear God's voice, is you, we got to slow down our pace. Just it's so difficult, but you've got to slow down your pace and calm yourself down enough to hear God speak. And then they practice his presence. That's what they, they were in the presence of God, which helped them understand. But then they did it purposefully. There was a purpose for all this, an absolute purpose that they were given. They were given this amazing scene so eventually they could share it with us, but so it could sustain them for the purpose of their life. Which I means if you want to hear God speak, it, it, it doesn't happen sitting around in your little private area all quiet for six hours a day and that's how you think, I'll never be able to hear from God. I can't slow down that much. Hearing from God happens by people who are participants at a pace where they're willing to listen and they're practicing daily the presence of God for this purpose. They're like Samuel when Samuel was called by God and he says, speak, Lord, for your servant hears. Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. You can do that standing up while you're teaching a class of complete chaos, and you're trying to think, what am I doing with my life? How is this going to work out? Am I making any impact whatsoever? You can still be absolutely hearing the voice of God by saying, speak, Lord, for your servant hears. What do you want me to say to these kids today? How do you want me to teach them today? Follow the still, small voice of the prompting of the Holy Spirit, or if you're at work in a very busy factory and very noisy, you can still practice the presence of God and hear God speak to you by saying, Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. What is it in this scene right now you want from me? How should I respond? And consciously think about this. It's possible. There's a great man named Brother Lawrence who was uh, a couple hundred years ago, he lived as a monk, and he was a big, tall, lanky, just clumsy guy, and he was absolutely clumsy. He, he, he was just a mess, a, a monk, true story, but what he did was he practiced the presence of God. He wrote a book. They, they compiled his life afterwards, and it's called Practicing the Presence of God, and he chose to live his life in the monastery in the kitchen, clean in pots and pans, and he cleaned, and he cleaned, and he cleaned, but what people said about him was he was so in tune with the voice of God because he practiced even in the clanking of clank, the pans to hear God and to listen purposely for the voice 
of God. We gotta participate, you gotta slow down our pace. We gotta practice his presence and just pray. I, I promise you pray as you go through your day, as you think about it, Lord, speak for your servant hears. And the most noisy, difficult situations, start practicing that and see if the Holy Spirit doesn't prompt you and you follow that prompting in obedience. It's a great guide. It's a grace guide. But the reason it's a grace guide is because we have a great guide through it. It, it closes with, after all this unbelievable, unbelievable, I can't even describe unbelievable scenes, so you need to go home and meditate and think about what this picture is of human beings seeing this sign, and it says, and suddenly, after it's all done, and suddenly, looking around, they no longer saw anyone with them but Jesus only. Have you ever been with somebody who knew where they were going and you didn't know where you were going? And it's chaotic. We went to Chicago, uh, New York for a mission trip a few years ago. I'd never been to New York City before. We were in a bus going, and it was massive to see New York City. It made Chicago look like Samanac. And this guy took the bus in there. We ended up somewhere. My only thought was, well, I'm glad he knew where he was going because I had no idea where I was. Could never have found my place there, but we followed the bus driver. And at the end of this, it says, no longer they saw anyone but Jesus only. This was an unbelievable scene of grace. When God comes to speak to us, God came to Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, and he said to them, where are you? And some people could take that and say, well, God comes down from, to, to talk with them. They've rebelled. They, they ran off hiding. And God comes down and says, where are you? He didn't say that in a cruel way. God said that in a very, un, in a very loving way. Where, where are you? And when Jesus said to them, who do you say that I am? He wasn't trying to trick them up. He was trying to help them. He was saying, I want you to know who I am. I want you to follow me. Jesus speaks to us. It's an invitation. It's an invitation to follow a guide who's gone through everything that we are going to go through and worse. He sympathizes with us. He knows the chaos of life. He understands our difficulties. And he says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them. And he says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. On a cold January day in 1850, a 15-year-old boy, like today, was on his way to church who had been struggling with God and what he believed and he felt guilt. And he was going to go to his church and the snow was so bad that he couldn't make it so he pulled off into the side of this road and he ended up in this little chapel and the pastor couldn't even make it that day so a guy just stood up and he said, from the, said these words, Isaiah forty-five twenty-two: Look unto me and be saved all the ends of the earth for I am God and there was no one else. And he didn't have much else to say. So he just kept repeating, look unto me and be saved all the ends of the earth for I am God and there is no one else. Look unto me, look unto me. Young man, he said, pointed right to him, look unto me, look unto me, look unto me. And then the young man said, in that moment I had a vision, not a vision of my eyes but of my heart and I saw what a savior Jesus Christ was. Now I can never tell you how it was but I no sooner saw whom I was to believe than I also stood, understood what I was to believe, and I did believe it in one moment. 
And he said, and as the snow fell on my road home from the little house of prayer, I thought every snowflake talked with me, and out of the pardon I had found, for I was as white as the driven snow. 15-year-old Charles Spurgeon, who became the most famous preacher in America, and people are still quoting him today, came to Christ on a wintry, snowy day, and he saw and he heard Jesus speak. And the invitation for us is to listen. Listen. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them. And he's never going to leave us, and he's never going to forsake us. And the question is, will you listen? Because God is speaking. Let's pray.